Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Well, happy Mother's Day, Lake Point Church. And on Mother's Day, we obviously want to encourage our mothers. And so I am unbelievably excited to introduce to you the person that's gonna be teaching us the Bible today, one of my wife's personal favorite Bible teachers in America. Um, she pastors a church with her husband called the Father's House in Orange County, California. Don't hold that against her. She is an absolute walking embodiment of Jesus, energy, hope, and encouragement. And she's also holy with just a little bit of hood. So please put your hands together and give a warm Lake Point welcome to Bianca Oldhoff. Hey! Well, good morning, Lake Point family. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here to uh, not just those in the room, but those watching online at all the campuses around Del Mundo, okay, because you guys are international, hello. I just wanna say on behalf of my husband and I, what an honor and a privilege it is to be here. Um, I knew of y'all, I knew of your pastor, but being here, I didn't say this last night, gotta keep it real, your pastor, and the staff here are truly amazing. And I say this as a church planter who's on the mean streets of Orange County. And let me tell you something, the church you guys are a part of is, um, God is moving here. Do not forsake what God is doing because your church is on the front lines of that. So kudos to you for picking an amazing church. Yes. Now. Happy Mother's Day to all the Mother's Day, the mothers that are here today. And uh, Pastor Josh mentioned this, but this is not just for biological mothers who perhaps have birthed babies in their bellies. I say this as a, as I like to say, a smom or a smother. I'm a stepmother to two kids. I've been their lives and they're three and five. And uh, for the foster moms and adoptive moms and stepmoms or those that have filled a maternal role, we just wanna say thank you for your yes. And yes, I am a Mexican woman with fake eyelashes, high heels on Mother's Day, but we are not gonna talk about doilies and baby dolls today, church. Uh-uh, fam, you know what we're gonna talk about today? We got some manly men in the room, and I am a daughter of a USMC, United States Marine Corps officer, who brought Semper Fi. So today, family, uh-uh. We're gonna be talking about war, all right? I believe, I believe that even on a day like this, we can talk to and speak to the God potential in us and the warrior that resides within. Now, being raised uh, by my father, uh, my father's an amazing man, gentle and kind. He's actually still pastoring in East Los Angeles, California to this day. He's preaching right now and um, amazing man of God, but he also raised us with strength. And he raised us like a true Marine. And I, we grew up with certain catchphrases that were either from my dad or from the Marines, like if you fall down and injure yourself, no blood, no pain, get up, let's move. Or this one I'm very familiar with. I get to hear him saying this even on Sunday mornings as my mom was putting on her makeup late to church. He would say, we leave no man behind. We will wait for your mom. <laughs> and also God did not call us to be warriors. We're called to be warriors. 
Now, that sounds really good in theory, but I remember in Sunday school, there was this mean bully and he would make fun of me and my twin sister, Jasmine. Well, after church one time, we were in the playground and he was just going after both of us. And she went up to him and she pushed him so hard, he fell down and broke his arm. He walked away like a whimpering little dog. <laughs> They're mean to me. Those are the pastor's daughters. Well, my dad was really embarrassed and spoke to both of us and was like, why did you guys do that? And then I boldly said, because we're not warriors, we're warriors, you know? It's good in theory until it actually happens. So maybe this Mother's Day weekend you were here, maybe you were dragged by your mother or you lost a bet or this is the one gift that your wife had wanted for you to come to church. However you came into church today, maybe this concept of stepping into your God calling or being a warrior feels so far away from you. Maybe today you feel like the last thing that you wanted to do was get dressed and shower and come to church because you are so disappointed with life. Maybe today you feel an overwhelming sense of depression or maybe you feel a sense of failure. Maybe today you're here and you feel like a failure as a parent, a failure as a manager, a failure as a boss, a failure as an entrepreneur. Maybe today you are wondering, why am I even here? Today, I wanna to remind you that you, my brother and sister, you are empowered. You, my brother and sister, you are called. You, my brother and sister, you have been destined, predestined from the foundations of the earth to walk in a manner that is worthy of the call that God has put upon your life. That is a call worthy of the gospel. I believe that my generation, my generation is looking to those that have gone before us and my generation is setting precedence for those coming after us to tread on places Places that have not been trodden, to create paths where there are no pathways, because there is a generation of people who are dying to see people actually believe what the Word of God says. I don't want to be people that just read about the Word of God or sing about God or learn about God. I want to be people that believe that God is who He is and He can do what He said He can do, and I'm going to walk according to that way. Why? Because I am a warrior, and I believe that God has called all of us to walk in this manner. And you might be sitting here thinking like, well, I'm, I'm just a student, or I'm just a mom, or I'm just a manager, or I'm just an entrepreneur. Now, ah, family, let me let you know what you just are. You are just a child of God, and that is all you need to be. Because the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave is alive in you. That's a right place for an amen. I don't know how all of our other campuses or online did, but you can put amen in the chat box. But the room, we got to do a little teaching moment. Okay, so I'm from East LA, California, AKA the hood. And at daddy's church, if he says, say amen, they all say amen. So let me teach you church. If the spirit of God is moving in you and you want to confirm what the spirit of God is doing internally, you could say amen. amen. You could say, come on somebody. You can say, take me to Zion, all right? However you want to move today, you are not assaging my ego. Oh, au contraire, mi amor. What you are doing is confirming what the Spirit of God is doing internally, externally, and putting faith in the room. I believe that word's for me. I believe that God can move. I believe he wants to move in me. I believe he wants to revive in me. Dreams have been dead. I believe that I want to stand on the promises of God and shame the devil because he's a liar, amen? All right, church, turn with me to Judges chapter 4 because we're going to kick it old school up in here today. Some of y'all thought you were going to come to a lovely Mother's Day service. Uh-uh, we came to church today, family. You know what I love about Texas? Oh, when I say turn to Judges 4, y'all have Bibles. <laughs> in California, 
people don't bring their Bibles. I love me some Texas. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As you turn to Judges chapter 4, today I want to pull open the pages of Scripture and I want to piece apart every Scripture like it is Southern barbecue, honey. I want to smoke it. I want it to be fresh cracked pepper with some kosher salt, some dry mustard, some honey. I want to put some little, some little spices on it and I want to smoke it like hours after hours after hours. When you open it up, the smoker's like in your face and you get to pull apart the baby back ribs that have been smoked that fall off the bone like... But right? Because Hebrews tells me that God's word is like meat. So today, I hope y'all aren't vegetarians, all right? Because today, the, the powerful character that we are going to take a look at today, this character is not only powerful, but prophetic. Not only sensitive, but strong. That not only responded to the call of God for their life, but reinstituted the place of God's people where they rightly should have been. And there are amazing characters in the scope of Scripture, but I believe that there is one character that encompasses the characteristics of everything that I just said. And she's a woman. Come on, somebody. Hello. All right. Today we're talking about one of my favorite characters. Her name is Deborah. And we're also going to learn about a couple other characters as well. Because I want to see that who God uses and how he uses us are for different reasons in different seasons. So in Judges chapter 4, for the note takers, there is a warrior by the name of Barak and a prophetess by the name of Deborah. Uh, we see that they are going to come together in Judges chapter 5 and write an epic song. This is like a picky picky remix of Jay-Z and Beyonce, all right? Well, we're in the South, so I'll say Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. They come together for a great duo, and they make some music together. So let's jump in and start in Judges chapter 4, verse 4. Now Deborah... Hashtag boss. A prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. I want you to circle in your Bibles, leading. And I want us to take note. Wow, a woman is doing something inside of her house and outside of her house. She's a P31 right here. Some of y'all don't know Christianese. That's Proverbs 31 woman right there. Verse 5, she held court under the palm of Deborah. She had a location named after her fam between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Now, we can read this portion of scripture and not think twice about it, but Deborah was an amazing woman of God. Now, this woman, uh, this would have been a tall order in 2022, but during this time, this would have been absolute insanity. A woman is a prophet, a woman is a wife and a woman is a judge? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, why does that matter? Let's pull in some cultural context. During this time, women had no intellectual capita. They didn't have education. They had no land rights. In many cases, they were abused, overlooked, and misused. But scripture says that she is a judge. Ooh. Now, if that ain't enough, let me tell you something, family. My whole life, I'm a daughter of two immigrants. My whole life, I wanted to be chosen. That was just not the story until I was in Sunday school and I had a teacher by the name of Mr. Charles and Mr. Charles was such a G, he spoke about the book of Exodus. You gotta be a real gangster if you're gonna speak about Exodus to some fifth graders. Well, Mr. Charles was such a G, he spoke about the children of God and he said that the Israelites were God's chosen people. So you, you mean that God chooses people? So I began to pray some big prayers. I said, please God, please God, make me a Jew. And then I found out it didn't work like that. 
But as a Mexican, I have been grafted in like a wild olive ranch into the family of Christ, and I have been put in glory, hallelujah. But let me tell you something. Don't ignore the prayers that you prayed as a child, because two years ago, I touched down in London, Heathrow International Airport. I turn on my cell phone, and I get a text message from my mother sent to me and my five siblings, because you know, Hispanic people, we roll deep with all our kids. And my mom texted us and said, hey, I submitted my, my DNA to Ancestry.com, and here are my results. Do you know that my mom is 2% Jewish? So I turn to my husband and I say, Baruch haba Shem Adonai. I'm not speaking in tongues, I'm speaking Hebrew because I am Jewish, okay? I turned to my husband and I said, baby, I'm a Jew, I'm chosen. So today I'm gonna tell you about my relative, okay? My auntie Deborah, right here, right here. This woman wasn't just a judge of one tribe, au contraire. There was 12 tribes of Israel and each tribe would have had a judge or maybe even two judges. This woman, she's so bad, she's the judge of all 12 tribes. Come on, that's an amen right there. But it doesn't stop there. She's not just a judge. Scripture says she's a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is someone who hears from God and speaks to God's people. A prophet is someone who hears from God and speaks to God's people. So she was a judge and a prophet. Uh, she's entrusted to be a mouthpiece for God. So let's put this in a modern day context. Let's make a hybrid of who she would be. Um, she would have the political power of somebody like a Condoleezza Rice and a Hillary Clinton. She would have the prophetic pose of Queen Mother Beth Moore, she'd have the prophetic edge of Joan of Arc. I mean, this woman was a warrior. In fact, there is no other judge in the entire book of Judges or in the New Testament that, or Old Testament that bore the title of judge and prophet. The only two people that held that title were Samuel and Moses. Ooh, honey, this, the, the, there's no way of getting around it. This one was amazing. But in addition to being a judge and a prophet, we are told in scripture that she's married. Well, why is this fascinating? Usually in scripture, when we see a woman's name listed, we see that her name comes after her husband's name. Here, Deborah's name comes before Lapidoth. Well, why is that interesting? We see that the, the mention of Lapidoth is simply to establish her role as being a married woman. Do you know who I think is the unsung hero of this passage? Lapidoth. You want to know why? Because there's a husband who is so convinced of his woman's leadership that's so empowering her to do what God's called her to do, to speak to God's people, to lead God's people, to work also out of the house. I read his life and I'm thinking, what confidence, what conviction, what an amazing man who says, I want to cultivate the soil of my wife's life so that she can do what God's called her to do. I read this and I hear the soundtrack of salt and pepper. What a man, what a man, what a mighty, mighty good man. Yes, he is. Let me take a minute or two and give much respect to Lapidoth. All right, he's the man. Now, scripture's really interesting. And I'm a word nerd at heart, so bear with me, okay? So I'm gonna give you lots of details because I feel like I'm gonna make you a meal. If I miss one ingredient, it's gonna be like whack. I want it to be delicious. There is an interesting detail here. There is no mention of children in this passage. And yet, in Judges chapter five, she says, I, a mother of Israel. Why is this important? I got chills. Because sometimes you don't have to birth biological children to be a mother to many. Let me tell you something right now. You don't have to birth babies in your belly because you're birthing generations in your heart. 
We see that this woman um, wasn't a, a biological mom. And why does this matter? Because children during that time, they were in your inheritance. Children at the time, they were your property value. Children at the time, they were your legacy. And whether it was by choice or circumstance, there's no children that are listed here. And as we go through this text, I want us to pay careful attention to challenge the assumptions that we have about who God uses and why he uses them. Because what you were born into doesn't determine what is in you. What you're born into doesn't determine what is in you. God is more concerned with your destiny than he is anything of your history. This narrative starts and ends with a woman. But what I want to humbly assert to you is that it doesn't matter whether you are black, white, Asian, Haitian, or Croatian, whether you are tall or short, whether you are skinny or floofy, whether you are male or female, God wants to use you. Yes, floofy is a better word than fat. Come on. Uh huh. Uh -huh. You are called. You are anointed. You are empowered to lead, so lead. Now, the character Deborah, I'm positive. I'm positive that my sister from another mister, I'm positive that she had to overcome some things. Oh, I bet you there was things in her life where people told her, you couldn't, you shouldn't, you wouldn't, but she did. There's something about this narrative that resonates with me because that's, that's my story, friends. There have been so many times where people have said, you will not, you should not, you cannot, and yet I'm still here. Now, I believe that's because God has birthed something in me, but God has brought an amazing husband who is saying, Bianca, we are called to church plant. We are called to lead. I see the gifts that God has given you, and I don't want to hold you down. I want to help prop you up. Without the aiding of my husband, I know I would not be the woman that I am today. Now, that doesn't mean I need a husband to complete me. I'm completing Christ. That's not a Jerry Maguire moment. You complete me. No, that's bad mathematics, okay? No, 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 no. I'm completing Christ. But I believe that God pulls people around, friends, communities, spouses, to cultivate who we are for the goodness and the glory of God. Now, people have said that about me, but what about you? What if people whispered to you? Maybe you're not smart enough, maybe you're not good enough, maybe you're not pretty enough, maybe you're not thin enough, maybe you're not light enough. Listen, to live an empowered life to live a life of calling and purpose and destiny. We need to stop seeing the things that we are not and start believing in a God who is. Because we serve a God who is more than able to accomplish what he's birthed in us. Now, let's go back to the text. We didn't read Judges uh, uh, chapter four, verses one and two, but let me give you a little bit of context. Uh, during this time, there was a judge who previously led the children of Israel, and his name was Ehud. As a good Jew, I must teach you, it's Ehud. Ehud. And under Ehud, the children of God obeyed God. But then Ehud died, and they went crazy, like Cardi B style, wilding out. Ah! They started doing whatever they were going to do, acting all sorts of crazy. And left to their own demises, the Canaanites, their vile enemies, came and cruelly oppressed the children of Israel because they were walking in sin. Now, this is where we pick this up because the Canaanite army had a commander and his name was Sisera. And Sisera, Sisera will tear you up. He will, the people walk away from the presence of Sisera, tore up from the floor up. This guy was vile. Let's get a little picture of his life in verse three. Because he, being Sisera, had 900 chariots fitted with iron. How many chariots? Okay, great. The answer's on the screen. How many chariots? And he cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. 
Now, Sisera was evil. We'll find a little bit more about his story when you read for your homework this week, Judges chapter 5, but he was a human trafficker. He raped women and killed children. He pillaged villages. This man was so incredibly evil. Not only do we see shades of his story in chapter 5, world history will talk about the torture of the Canaanites. But I want to add to the drama. Not only was just Sisera jacked up and was he vile. No, no, no. I want to add to the drama because in 1 Samuel 13, we are told that under the oppression of the Amalekites and the Canaanites, the children of Israel had their iron and their ore removed for them. The blacksmiths were killed by their enemies. Well, what does that mean? Nobody can produce swords, shields, or spears. So not only are they going up against the largest known army during this time with 900 chariots. Think of the chariots as like big tanks in our day. 900 chariots and, and, and 40,000 men. The children of Israel are going with no weapons. Well, where do we see this backed up? In Judges chapter 5, your homework, in Judges chapter 5, we see that the, in the song that Deborah and Barak write, they say there is no shield and no sword to their battle. Now, I don't want this to feel like it's far away from us. I want us to know that, the, no, we're not going up against any Canaanites and there isn't a Sisera in our life, but I do believe that there's enemies that are attacking you. If anything else, I believe that there is a spiritual enemy who wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy. And I want us to empathize. No, maybe you don't feel oppressed by an army, but maybe you were calling out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I am oppressed, oppressed, and depressed. I'm broke, I'm busted, I'm sick, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. But notice what the children of Israel did. They called to the Lord for help. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, call unto me and I will answer you. And God does. In verse four, we, lead, we see that Deborah is leading God's people. And you know what's fascinating and interesting? Deborah did not pick her position. There was no Deborah campaign, Deborah for judge 2022. No, 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 there's none of that that's going on. Where do we see this? Well, in Judges chapter two, verse 18, it says this. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. Well, let me tell you something, fam. As the Lord lifted up judges of that day, I believe that he's lifting up judges of this day. I believe that his eyes are looking to and fro. Second Chronicles 16, 9, that the eyes of the Lord wander to and fro to see whose heart is loyal to him so he could show himself strong. I want some business owners, some entrepreneurs, some stay-at-home moms, some students to know I want my heart to be so in tune with God that when he says go, when he says do, when he says come, when he says stop, I'm going to do that. Look at verse 6, Judges chapter 4, verse 6. She sent for Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Now, if you do Bible research, um, theologians believe that Barak was one of the strongest and mightiest warriors in all of Hebrew history. In fact, the name Barak and this man is found in the New Testament book of Hebrews and what in Christianese, we call the Hall of Faith. As in some of our great ancestors had gone before us of faith, Barak's name is there. And yet, though he's an amazing warrior, there was something about Deborah's presence that he needed. 
Deborah is encouraging him and she's saying, you know that the Lord has called you. And this is a beautiful thing that we see in this passage. Listen to the beautiful dynamic between men and women. Deborah is not calling him out, she's calling him up. And y'all, there's a difference between calling out and calling up. She is speaking to his potential and saying, hasn't God told you? You know what you're supposed to do. The Spirit of God is with you. And I want to be very careful that we don't demonize Barack and then we say things like, what a pansy. Why couldn't he go? No, 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 no. Because there's many of us in here, men and women, young and old, who the Spirit of God is stirring in us to begin to start serving at church to give not just our tithe, but to be generous in our giving, to go to the mission field or to stop a business and start a business, to quit working in the secular world and start working at the church. I don't know, but the Lord is speaking to you and yet you feel like you need to sign. The Lord brought me here today. I'm your sign, family. Whatever the Lord is stirring in your heart, begin to do. Because Barack, he knows what's ahead of him. In fact, I did the math for you. I was homeschooled, so I need to do this in advance. They are outnumbered four to one, okay? There's 40,000 of the Canaanite army. There's only 10,000 that the Israelites have. And yet Deborah speaks in the middle of chaos. She speaks grace and truth and kindness. Look at verse eight. Barak said to me, if you go, Barak said to her, Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. She says, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you're taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, if we stop reading the narrative there, we think, well, surely we're talking about Deborah, okay? Because Deborah's a judge and Deborah's a prophet. Like in my mind's eye, Deborah is the corporate 100 woman who has a C-suite. She has power lunches and goes on power walks and takes power naps and uses PowerPoint presentations, okay? Because clearly that's who we're talking about. God's gonna give the battle to a woman. But God will show off using the most interesting people. Why is that? because he's calling you and he's calling me and he's not looking for a personality type or a certain character. And I wanna pause for a second, humor me just for 10 seconds, eight seconds. In fact, theologians have said that God used a woman because no man would stand or rise. Every time that I have been taught this passage growing up, it was under the auspice of like, God could not find a man, so he humbly chose Deborah to do it. And I believe that, but as I study the scope of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, from the Old and New Testament, are you telling me that the God who created the sun and the moon, the stars and the sky, separated the sea from land and caused fish to swim in the ocean and birds to fly in the air, the same God that released the Israelites from over 400 years of oppressive therapy, led them through a desert, had a Red Sea to part miraculously in two, had quail fall down for the people and had manna rise from the ground every single morning. Yeah, that God. That God was too weak to find one man? Nah, fam. I'm here to tell you that God will use male and female and children to do what he wants to do on the face of the earth. Who is willing? That's what this boils down to. Who is willing? God doesn't care about your age or your color, your gender or your wealth to see who he wants to use. And as we go through these passages, I want to give you four practical handles to hold on to because you are called, you are empowered, you are a leader. If you're a note taker, the note taping type, Number one, empowered leaders speak grace and truth. See, in the scripture, we see the indecision of Barak, but then we see the confidence of Deborah. 
And I don't want to focus on the indecision of Barack. I want to focus that Deborah in this moment did not call him out. She called him up. She spoke to his potential. Do you know that we get to be leaders, men and women, young and old, who not just call people out in a culture right now where everything is so easy to shame people and put all their business online through social media, through online interwebs, through gossip. Do you know how amazing our world and culture could shift in the church? I'm not even talking about outside the church. I'm talking about inside the church. Inside the church, if we operate with grace and truth, that we don't just call people out, but we call them up. And I love this this dynamic between a man and a woman, and so give me space, because I am a woman, to speak to the women in the room. Now, I don't wanna get into gender roles. This is not like, well, why aren't you speaking to the men? Because I'm a woman, so I'm just gonna speak to the women for a second. But for the ladies in the place with style and grace, let me just encourage us. From a psychological research, do you know that the male ego is incredibly fragile? And that we as women, when we're speaking to our brothers and our cousins and our bosses and our husbands and our sons, that there is, according to scripture, life and death in the tongue. What would it be like if we stood like Deborah to speak kindness and truth and love? That's the type of wife I want to be to my husband, Matt. That is the kind of leader that I want to be at the Father's House, Orange County. That is the stepmom I want to be to Parker and Ryan. That is the boss I want to be. And in focusing on her leadership, we see that empowered leaders speak grace and truth. The second thing that we see in this passage about empowered leaders is that empowered leaders believe in something bigger than themselves. See, Deborah could have, as a prophet and as a judge, she could have sat on her hill, her little coffee shop, and just doled out wisdom. But she didn't say, go, the Lord is with you. No, 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 no. She said, I will go with you and I will be alongside of you in this battle. That's the leader I want to be. I want to stand with my friends. I want to stand with my congregation. I want to stand with the, the body of Christ and say, I will stand with you. I will be with you until we see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Because that's the God that I serve. See, he needed to borrow her hope. He needed to borrow her confidence and her encouragement. That's the kind of leaders that I want us to be. And in verse 10 through 13, we don't have time to get into it, but we are told that Barak rounds up his troop of 40,000 warriors and their 900 chariots, their hairy knuckles, their hairy forearms, their hairy Persian chests, and they go this way. By the way, if you're wondering like where that detail is, I read my Bible like a novella. That's a Spanish soap opera, and it's extra crazy in all things, okay? My Bible is scratch and sniff. I hope yours is too. So we got the Canaanite army over here, and then we got the Israelite army over here with no spear, no sword, no shield. I speak fast. You listen and slow. And the Israelites are coming against the, the, the Canaanites and they're about to do a face-off, a rap battle of epic proportion. And this is where we pick it up. Judges 4, 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Ooh, she prophesied right here. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went to Mount Tabar with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Wait, what? Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harashesh, Hagioim, and all of Sisera's troops fell by the sword. What does that mean? They died. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot. He ran away like a little scaredy cat. He fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Canaanite. Church, just as God promised, God did. And someone needs that reminder in here because some of y'all been walking, holding her on promises, and I get to be the Deborah in your life, and I get to tell you, has not the Lord told you to go? 
Has not the Lord told you that his promise will not be forsaken? Hasn't the Lord told you that he will provide for you? Hasn't the Lord told you that he is greater? Hasn't the Lord told you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? I get to be the one to remind you today that God has not forsaken you. Go in the strength that you have. You do not have to walk oppressed by your enemies anymore. The greatest lie that the enemy can tell us as the father of lies is what feels sometimes like truth. See, because here's what we know. Satan's called the father of lies. And Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. We serve a God who knows our sin and calls us by our name. Today, I want to remind you of your name. You are a child of God. You are filled with his spirit, and you can do what God has called you to do. You are empowered. You are called, so lead. Look at verse 18. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come, my Lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So she entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. He's gassed. He's winded. He's thirsty. And he says, I'm thirsty. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand by the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes in and asks, tell them, is anyone here? Say no. He's a lying, dirty dog, okay? But Jael... But, somebody said but, but Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the tent peg through the temple, into the ground, and he died. And then, then all of a sudden, then Barak is there knocking on her door, and then in verse 22, come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he, Barak, went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. In my Bible, the BIV, the Bianca International Version, she says, nailed it. <laughs> you laughed. I wasn't too sure if that was going to land. Yes. See, Sisera made the fatal mistake of saying, lie for me. I'm going against the children of God. Now, I don't want to put too much of myself in this story, but I resonate with homegirl Jael, okay? Because my husband and I, we started the Father's House Orange County in our living room. I love my house. We started around a dinner table, and I love the people of God. So if I have an enemy coming to my doorway, my door frame, knocking on my door to threaten the children of God and my house and the world's cutest dog, Richie, I, I hear a knock at the door, and he says, oh, let me in and lie for me. I will surely say, oh, come right in, okay? Why? Because you can take the girl out the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out the girl. Oh, uh-uh. I will say, I will cut you, okay? Don't try me, enemy. It's not your day. I may love Jesus, but I will cut you, okay? So, the commander of the greatest army during this time, Sisera, was not taken down by the prophetess and the judge. The commander of the largest army of this time was not taken down by by Barak, the greatest Hebrew warrior of the time. The commander of the largest army that had cruelly oppressed the children of God for 20 years was taken down by a stay-at-home mom. What do we see here? That's right. What do we stay here? Number three, empowered leaders look different. Who took down the Canaanite army? Who's the hero here? 
all of them, because Deborah did what Deborah was called to do, and Barak did what Barak was called to do, and Jael did what she was called to do. All right, that's righteous killing right there. In the words of my father, whether you work in the White House or whether you work in the warehouse, God has a plan for you. And I say this with conviction because I am not a lawyer, I'm not a philanthropist, I'm not a, a psychologist, I'm a biblicist, as in somebody who loves the word of God. I am raised by two immigrants in the streets of East Los Angeles. California. I could not read, write, or spell at the age of 12. I was morbidly obese, living in the hood. Statisticians would have written me off in a category highest prone to failure, but my God. I had to come to a decision at a very young child that it's, I either believe what God's word says or I don't. That he can use me to do whatever he's called me to do, whether it's the podcast, whether it's influencing people online, whether it's starting a church, whatever God has called me to do. And this season, I'm going to honor that because he's called me to do this. And I get to, and I have to, and I want to remind you today, you are called called. You are empowered, so lead well. In our closing point, this is where we turn information into transformation. The last thing that we know about empowered leaders is that, is that empowered leaders are willing. It's one thing to hear a word of God. It's one thing to know a word of God, but it's something entirely different to move I'm willing to lay down my desires and my ambition to pursue God. So we close out, look at these last two verses from Judges chapter five. And I want you to circle in your Bible the word that appears twice. In Judges 5, 2, when the princes of Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Look at verse nine. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people, praise the Lord. Church, I'm asking you today, are you willing? Are you willing to do what God has called you to do? For many of you, it's going to be saying, I want Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that he can transform me. He can cleanse my sins. He can right all the wrongs of my life. For some of you, it's going to be taking the next step of baptism, which is a public confession of saying, I, I'm dead to my trespasses. I'm alive in Christ. For some, it's going to be serving. For some, it's going to be apologizing to your spouse. For some, it's going to be forgiving a neighbor or a sibling. But I believe... You are called, you are anointed, you're empowered. Are you willing? Spirit of the living God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in this space and place. You are mighty, you are holy, you are good. You are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of honor. Today, will you do what only you could do? Will you pierce minds? Will you transform hearts? Will you renew souls today in this presence? To you be the glory, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.